From the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago, I'm Gwen Maxi, and this is ReSound. Coming down the stretch, I can hear the rider right next to me. I can hear the footsteps of my horse, the footsteps of his horse. Great radio is everywhere, but you can't be, which is why Third Coast collects and curates and brings you the best audio stories available worldwide. On the air, the internet, podcasts, we listen to everything we can get our ears on and bring you the best of what we hear each week on ReSound. I want to engage the imagination of the audience. Um, I want them to participate in the interpretation and construction of meaning. Sarah Boothroyd is a radio producer with a composer's ear. There's music in this. There's music in everything. Sarah started out on a fairly straightforward path, getting a master's in journalism and freelancing for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. But over time, her style became less and less conventional and more painterly. Uh, the narrative elements that I use, they might uh, allude to the theme. Um, I might use a list of words. But my work does tend to be a little bit more conceptual. At Third Coast, we've followed Sarah's career for many years. And when we see she has something new out in the world, we know it will be unique, interesting, sound rich, and a delight for the inner audiophile in all of us. I enjoy work that is a little more open-ended, a little more ethereal or dreamy, rather than work that's that's super concrete. There's lots of radio producers who do great work that is much more concrete than mine. Uh, that's not really my forte. Today on ReSound, we explore nearly a decade's worth of work by sound artist, musician, and radio producer Sarah Boothroyd, who we'll also be hearing from throughout the hour. We'll start with one of her most playful, personal stories, one that doesn't really require much introduction at all. Once you hear its title, Gleeful Barbarians. There are not just seven wonders of the world in the eyes of a child. There are seven million. How does it work? What's this? What are you doing now? Why? What do you use this for? Who made you? Who made me? Well, my mama and my papa made me. Who made you? The face of a child can say it all, especially the mouth part of the face. That's funny. Um, um, um. <laughs> and this 
The real menace in dealing with a two-year-old is that you begin to sound like a two-year-old. really works, then how come moms only have two hands? I tickle one, I feed the other. I tickle one, I feed the other. Oops, more spit up. Careful not to spit up, please. Now this is your lunch. We're gonna go read a story soon, and then it's gonna be nap time. Did you hurt yourself? Yeah, you need a kiss? I hope you didn't just sneeze into the biscuit. How do you want to get over the floor, Oh, we only got half of it on your arm. She's having a poop in the bathtub. You need to have a nap. Midnight and Rosalie is awake. It's 3.30, Rosalie is awake. It's uh, 5.10 in the morning, Rosalie is awake. You can learn many things from children. How much patience you have, for instance. So you ready for a bath after breakfast? No. We have to share. No. So now you have to pick them all up. I want to. I want you to sit on the potty. Try to teach kids all about life. Your kids teach you what life is all about. That's true. I like to dance. I like to play. I like to laugh. I like hugs. I like kisses too. I like to snuggle. I like to snuggle now. Are we going to snuggle now? Yeah. Mm, that's a good one. Oh, another one. Oh, thank you. Good night. I want to put my hand around you so you can't go away. You put your hand around me so I can't go away? Yeah. I can't stay with you all night, my dears. Yeah. I gotta go. Good night.
That was Gleeful Barbarians by Sarah Boothroyd from the BBC Radio 4 series Shortcuts. Sarah told us how this piece was born. Falling Tree Productions came to me and said, we'd like to commission a short work from you that appeals to the idea wild. And I thought, okay, well, I have a baby and a toddler, and I can't really easily run out and do interviews or field recordings. And so I was looking around at my world, my little world with babies and, you know, diapers and and all this noise. And I thought, well, this is pretty wild. Okay, I'm going to record what happens in my house. I'm going to record making the lunch and the breakfast and the dinner and the baths and the diapers and all the playing that we do and everything in between. And when I listen to it now, and my daughter is three and a half and my son is five and a half, And I hear their little voices and I hear Rosalia's first words. I hear her saying mama and I hear Luca with this tiny kid voice. It's just so cool for me personally as a mom uh, to have this audio snapshot of how they were at that age. Before Sarah Boothroyd was busy chasing her kids around with a microphone, one of her first creative stories was for Third Coast. She produced this next piece for our 2006 Short Docs Challenge, where we asked everyone and anyone to make a short audio story and gave them a set of rules to follow. Here's Sarah's entry called, Do What You Fear and Fear Disappears. Fear, fear, fear. You talk, Mom. No, I don't. You're here to be scared. (laughs) I'm not. What are you here for? We're here to be scared. Yeah, you are. 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 Yeah, Oh, we really loved the last one. It was really scary with that tunnel that was rotating in that. Like the greatest mistake you can make in life is to be continually fearing you will make one. Albert Howard. We knew something would happen. We yeah, around every corner we thought someone would come out and they did. So did, we were even more still. scared. Yeah. For the most part, fear is nothing but an illusion. When you share it with someone else, it tends to disappear. Marilyn Barrick. Holding someone else's fear in your hand and showing it to them. Amy Tan. That really scared me. Everything yeah. else was kind of like. And the guy oh, that jumped down and followed us. I've grown certain that the root of all fear is that we've been forced to deny who we are. Francis Morella. The time when you can, you can scream and, and have fun and like not have to really worry about whether you're in danger or not. And I mean, it's an adrenaline rush, and who doesn't like an adrenaline rush? Something that you don't, like, you're not usually scared like that for such a long period of time, and something unusual like that is always fun. Do what you fear when fear disappears. David Schwartz. Excellent. 
That was Do What You Fear and Fear Disappears by Sarah Boothroyd, whose archives we're digging through today on ReSound. So, Sarah, this piece is from, what, 10 years ago? How does it resonate with you now? Uh, It's actually kind of hard for me to listen to this piece now because it is so early in my career. So I hear all sorts of technical blips and it it kind of bothers my ears. But that's okay. You know, that's what happens. But yeah, this piece, it it was a bit of a leap for me because I didn't have a process or a formula for making a piece like this. I didn't really know where to start. I'd only done journalistic pieces for the most part. So it did feel a bit like I was branching off into unknown territory. But I was pleased with the way it worked out. And knowing that gave me a great big boost of confidence that this type of work was a good fit for me. Now we're going to move on to an even more ambitious piece, more recently produced by Sarah. It's called Rabble Rousers, and it explores the musicality of public protest. Here's Sarah to set it up for us. The segment you're about to hear is the first half of it, and the overall narrative arc of the piece uh, starts with an introduction to the themes and the ideas of global citizenship, justice, democracy, ethics. So there are several different moods and atmospheres that are built into the work. Now let's listen to Rabble Rousers. And just a word of caution, this piece does contain some strong language.
gonna take it anymore. Mad as hell, not 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 gonna take it anymore. is a natural thing, just as natural as feeling glad or sorry. But angry feelings are disagreeable. They make you act and look as well as feel unhappy. But let's go back and see what made these boys and girls angry. Capitalism, economies, Corporations, markets, and currency. These are not forces of nature. We invented them. And if they don't work, we can and we must change them. The system isn't giving good results. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Success is often measured in our material wealth. Is that true success? No, that is a false distorted value that came from a system based on everyone being acquisitive, competitive, cutthroat, and essentially inhumane. that supports vast disproportions in wealth is not a sustainable society. A society should measure its success by the care of its weakest, poorest, and most vulnerable. The principal architects of policy design policy in such a way as to enrich and privilege the designers. The rich people keep all the money and pay no taxes. The middle class pay all the taxes, do all of the work. The poor are there just to scare the shit out of the middle classes. The ideological concoctions that are beneficial to the rich and powerful, they'll tend to propagate. The ones that are harmful to the interests of the rich and powerful will tend to be marginalized and suppressed.
За результатами опрацювання сімнадцяти білітих
you. Yep. Thank you, ma'am. That's the bank that took my dad's home. That's the bank right there. I'm not moving. I'm a law student at George Washington University, and I'm not moving. That's the bank that took my parents home. They played by the rules. My dad has a PhD, two master's degrees, and a college degree. My mom has a master's degree and a college degree. And what did they do? They took their home. I will go to jail tonight because it's not right. I will not stand by and just watch. I will not do it. So take me to jail right now. Because after all that my parents gave me, I would rather die than be quiet and watch everything that they worked for go away. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm going to look at them right there and I'm going to say, you took it. And we're going to take it back. Take me. Take me. Take me. Take me. That was an excerpt from Sarah Boothroyd's Rabble Rousers, commissioned by the Ontario Arts Council. Listening to the protest chants, listening to the drumming, listening to stomping feet, it was all so musical. It just struck me that this really is a spontaneous choral creation in public space. This really is a musical performance completely improvised by players or protesters who possibly have never met before. And it struck me that, wow, there's a, there's a lot of potential here to exaggerate and enhance and elaborate on how musical this experience is, how musical the protest is. If you like what you've heard so far from Sarah, you can find lots more of her stories on our website, thirdcoastfestival.org where you'll also find more than 1,700 other audio adventures of all shapes and sizes. Coming up after the break, the sounds of the racetrack, a prison, and all of human evolution inside three minutes. Stay with us. Welcome back to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. Today we're featuring the work of Canadian radio producer, sound artist, and musician Sarah Boothroyd. Sarah's known for her artistic interpretation, originality, and, I'm going to say, sound vision. Now if that's confusing, don't worry, you will catch on in a minute. Our next story is her take on the quote, Humankind is preceded by forest and followed by desert.
We ain't going nowhere. This is the American dream of freedom on wheels. With more motorized mobility than ever dreamed of before. Freedom of the road is as old as the first man. Once we fought for it through forest. The big secret is, of course, oil. The most efficient mobile power source on Earth which has brought a better life to all the people in the USA. An automotive age, traveling on time-saving superhighways, Futurama's free-flowing channels of concrete and steel. Morning and night, around the clock, the sound of our times. Our love affair with the car, threatens our national security and the health of our planet. This information campaign Forest to Desert, Sarah Boothroyd's entry into our 2008 Third Coast Short Docks Challenge. The piece is more or less an evolutionary tale featuring three phases, the idyllic pastoral world of green forests at the beginning, followed by the mess and loudness of humanity and our mechanical extension of the car, which is the midsection, and then at the end we have this post-apocalyptic world of uh, desert, wind, and static uh, so the transitions between those three different places are made entirely through sound, through crescendos and a glitch section at one point. So that was a bit of a, a learning experience for me with this particular piece in 2008 was how to make transitions with just sound. How to move someone through three different settings without telling them that that's what we're doing. Next, Sarah takes us to the Nicholas Street Jail in Ottawa, Canada, a structure described by an inspector in 1946 as, quote, a monstrous relic of an imperfect civilization where cells are medieval, incredibly cramped, with conditions far below the limits of human decency. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve maybe 15 cells on my left, down a hallway. Large, dark gray stone building, high walls surrounding it. The windows very much like prison cell windows, even on the outside, the rounded tops, the bars. It's been left. It's almost pristine in its history. When you have a place that's been incarcerating prisoners for 130 years, there's an accumulation of human dust there. You're in a place where there was a lot of suffering, a lot of trauma, and it has that resonance to it still. 
There were dozens of people who were killed in that jail. There's hundreds of bodies buried around that area. That building, more than most, has that sense of the past. The feeling of being in that cell, entombed within solid granite. The walls are smooth. There's nothing to even hook onto because of fear that you might hang yourself. All you see is the shaft of light you may see from your bars. Standing inside one of the cells. It's very narrow. It's about three feet wide. It's only about eight feet long. And it has a rounded ceiling. Ooh! With an interesting echo sound to it. Those are leftover memories of people's lives. The site of the last public hanging in Canadian history. The location for one of the great acts of misjustice in the history of Canada. Thomas Darcy McGee was one of the founders of Confederation. He had just returned to Parliament. He gave a fiery speech in the House of Commons. When he finished speaking, he wrote a note to his daughter back in Montreal, explaining that he would be home on Sunday because it was his birthday. As it happened, he arrived home on Sunday for his funeral. He left the House of Commons at about 2 a.m. Snow on the ground. On his own. Chuffling along on his cane very slowly. And as he bent down to open his door, somebody put a pistol to the back of his head and shot him. Six feet long. I can see the brick right through it. Places have a soul of their own. Yeah, there's a few cracks in the wall on the left side too. There's a three-foot crack and a four-foot crack. They look like lightning bolts. And the floor is kind of a dark, dark red color. The location for one of the great acts of mischief. Lying on his back. McGee's hat is still on. His cane is caught underneath him. Within 24 hours, they'd arrested Patrick James Whalen. Five-day trial. There were paid witnesses. The Prime Minister turned up to sit on the dais beside the judge. Great deal of pressure to convict. 
he declared again and again that he was not guilty, but he wasn't free to say who was because of threats to his family. The last few weeks of his, very angry, very frightened. in his cell, he's visited by the Sisters of Mercy. He's then allowed a brief visit by his wife, Bridget. The gallows itself is about 30 steps away from where he is sleeping. This is the gallows. There's an iron barred door and then behind that is a regular door with glass and window pane in it. And then behind that is yet another barred door. He's roused. It's cold, very cold February. Given a final meal, brought down the steps. They've hung a noose. The executioner went out first to test the trap. The prisoners stood on the doors. The hood is dropped on him, the noose is put around, and very quickly. Dropped nine feet into eternity. Right through those doors. About three and a half minutes to seven and a half minutes he took for him to die. Patrick Whelan was buried within the grounds of the Nicholas Street Jail. The body would be buried immediately, would not be given back to the family. Whelan had been assured it would be. Through a Door by Sarah Boothroyd, commissioned by the CBC and New Adventures in Sound Art. My premise with Through a Door was to have the jail tell the story. So I set a challenge for myself, and that was to only use material that I had recorded in this space. Every element in the finished audio work came from this space. So I, I made hours and hours of recordings of doors opening and footsteps on the floor, and I hit cell bars with a pipe. Um, I, I ran my fingers along the walls, and I thought that was the best way to really make an audio portrait of this place. Our last story of the hour is completely immersive and one of our favorites. It's Sarah's impressionistic work centering on the theme of chance. And she found one place that seemed to embody everything the word means, from heartbeat to hoofbeat. 
Everywhere we look, we see the influence of chance. We see randomness at work in the genetic mutations that are essential to evolution. Quantum physics describes a world of possibilities and uncertainty. Chance plays a role in climate science too. Think of our inability to accurately predict the weather. Pebbles on the beach, the shapes of clouds, the turbulence of a wave breaking in the ocean. All of these things speak of randomness and the influence of chance in the world. Life itself is, at least in part, a game of chance rather than one of pure skill. It's an amazing game, it's magical. Uh, pressure, unknowns. We love it, it's the most beautiful place. Look at the mountains and gallop around next to the ocean. <laughs> Battle, bruise, bleed. You got the mountains in back, the snow-capped mountains, and you know, the sun's shining, not a cloud in the sky. Nervous, yes. panic. Over on the backside there in those trees, every morning we've got a couple of bald eagles that hang out. Knocked out crazy, broken bones. There's nothing like it. You look forward to getting up and doing it. I always dreamed to be a writer. Doctors, trouble, fall down again. You never know, you know? I mean, I could get hurt in the next race and that's the end of it. Probably been in, you know, 100 races where somebody got hurt, but I've ridden over 30,000 races. The rider, he's putting his life on the line every time he goes out there. You're on a little tiny saddle, going 40 miles an hour with eight or nine others around you. You're a little guy with a big animal. The average height is probably around 5'1". Some are much shorter than that and could weigh 100 pounds. You're dealing with 1,000 to 1,500 pound animals that can throw you around like a rag doll if they really want to. I've been lucky. In North America, they average two deaths a year, and I've got a lot of friends in wheelchairs. There's been a lot of jockeys killed. I would have to say I'm lucky. Other guys get up at 6 in the morning to go to a regular job for eight hours. Yeah, of course there's risk. From the moment we come into the world, we have something to lose. The question is whether to accept one risk or another. And whenever there are risks, there's luck. Just by pure luck. Three children watching morning TV have escaped serious injury by seconds. Lucky to survive a crash. Luckily. Man who survived three days lost in bush without water is lucky to be alive. One incredibly lucky person. The motorcyclist right there, he's on the bike, jumps up, hops off quickly. Just in the nick of time, he barely escapes. Extremely lucky. Go ahead, guys. Might need you to put that rail up, boys. Just be ready. Robbie, you good there, Robbie? Robbie? All right. All right. The starting gate is tight quarters, very compact in there. The thoroughbreds are really fractious, they're rearing, they're throwing their heads. Claustrophobic. It's one of the most dangerous places in a race. Way back, Charlie. Coming down the stretch, I can hear the rider right next to me. I can hear the footsteps of my horse, the footsteps of his horse. 
and I can't hear a cheer from the outside rail. I can't hear 60,000 people screaming and hollering for the horses. Your mind separates things and your focus can be so strong on one thing that it blocks the rest of the world out. A lot of winning races is about position. It's not always being on the best horse. I've got to find a way that I can put him in a position to get the most out of him. I've got to give him a chance. Then sheer luck pops into place. And we have a spill there on the turn. Sometimes it seems like it takes 10 minutes to the time you hit the ground and things run through your mind. How the hell am I going to get out of this fear of falling? I hope I don't get hurt, fall off, or then fall and tuck up and roll. A lot of times it's not the fall that hurts you. There's seven horses behind you that can't all miss you. Seven. Number seven, cross your fingers, break a wishbone, blow on dice, knock on wood, throw coins in the fountain, make the sign of the cross, find a ladybug, four-leaf clover, a rabbit's foot, a horseshoe. The world's first and only seven-time lottery grand prize winner. It is really a needle in a haystack, just unbelievable. It's an 1879 red one, a masterpiece, discovered two years ago in of all places, a West Virginia flea market. Everything fell into place. A classic case of being in the right place at the right time. One of my best day courses was just being in the right place, right time. Uh, if I wouldn't have been standing there, it could have been anybody walking by. The guy asked me to work the horse. I win probably five graded stakes on this horse. And he was just by chance. I got lucky and had a good agent. Actually getting introduced to the fellow that taught me how to ride was probably the luckiest break I had. You can call it luck, but I think when you wield something and you want it for long periods of time and you don't give up on that dream, if chance is offered to you, you've got to take advantage of it, but you find ways to make chances. An impossible result here! And the final strides exploding through on the rail to pull a monumental upset at 50 to 1. 50 to 1, the second biggest upset in Derby history. One year you can do good, and next year you cannot find the winner's circle. Racing's so unpredictable, and that's why they let you gamble on it. Sometimes the horses that look like they're standout, something might happen, they get a rough trip. We broke out of the starting gate and this young apprentice came over and dropped myself and another rider. I got stepped on in my back. Just wrong place, wrong time. Couldn't feel my body. Couldn't move it. The horses turned for home. They were trying to get him to stop the race. The horses went scattering. Who knows, you just walk out that door there and get hit walking across the street. You just happen to be the one that gets taken out of the picture. I wouldn't say it's much different. We just put ourselves out there a little more. The 
But when he looked out the window, he saw that a small plane had crashed into his house. Attacked by a shark while out surf skiing. They were pinned under a huge sign weighing hundreds of pounds. No one seemed sure how this happened. We were just out there having a good time, and all of a sudden, there was just this explosion. And he says, you're not going to believe this, but I think I was hit by lightning again. And I said, you think? It can happen to anybody. Everything broke. And now I can't see my teddy ever again. Oh, lots can go wrong. You're going to get hurt. It's just a matter of when. It's just how bad you're going to get hurt. Broken ribs. I've broken my ankle twice. I've broken my leg. Broken hands, fingers, broken my collarbone, toes, feet, broken, broken, broken. I got broken femur, I got a broken, broken arm, broken elbow, broken my right shoulder, a lot of broken bones, broken. I knew it was broken. Knocked out, fractured, stepped on, dislocated, get hurt, 16 days in the hospital, pulled all the ligaments out of my ankle, ripped all the skin completely off my jaw. I had a horse flip on me and land on me. Woke up a day later in the hospital. I managed to walk away, so I actually am very lucky. Coming around the turn here in the far corner, my horse tripped and fell. I broke six ribs on this side. I broke one on this side. I cracked the vertebrae. I bruised my lung. And uh, yeah, that was, that was, that one hurt. Uh, but other than that, I've been pretty lucky. I think the worst is when I fractured my skull and my back in three places, but I've been lucky. My injuries haven't been that bad. The danger part, do I think of it? You fall, you get back up and you brush it off and say, thank God I'm okay and when's my next race? We do our best not to let these kind of things happen. Can we control that? No, but we can't control our general life either. Change a horse's name, avoid gray horses, avoid horses with four white feet, never walk under a ladder, never step on cracks in the pavement, never open an umbrella indoors, never speak ill of the dead, avoid black cats, the nine of diamonds, the number 13. I know a really good rider. He went over 9,500 races, and he used to wear his underwear inside out. I know a guy who wears two colored socks one pink sock and one white. I wear wristbands. There's a pattern. I make sure I have this one on top, this one on bottom, this one right, this left. I know that I would use it as an excuse if I got beat or something. Uh, I might blame it on them. <laughs> Was that legit? Probably not. Hey, horses on the track now for race number four. I've never been superstitious. I don't believe in a whole lot of luck. I believe you make it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if I was superstitious, I would have won 5,000 races instead of over 3,500. They're off in the Kentucky Derby! Shackleford's going to make the lead in that mad rush to the first turn. Midnight Interlude is there. Then Santiva. Hands on fire is right there and forth. There goes Nero. They're into the stretch! And Roaring down the center of the track, and Shackleford 
luckiest guy in the whole world. Every day is different. Not one day is exactly the same as the next. It's a great rush, it really is. The workings of evolution, the evolution of life itself, or just the evolution of one particular person's life story is the result of a long string of chance events and infinity of accidents. The prediction of what the outcome is is more or less a guessing game. The whole thing is just being at the right place at the right time. You need luck. You gotta have luck on your side. You gotta have luck. You do. Chance, by our featured artist this hour, Sarah Boothroyd. Chance is a Falling Tree production, and it first appeared on Between the Ears from BBC Radio 3. I basically wanted to have the jockeys be almost like a narrator through the piece. The four or five voices that I have, they are not identified. They're kind of like a generic jockey, all speaking more or less in the same tone, all telling very similar stories, and they pull us through the piece. And often what they say could be construed as a double entendre, or what they say it could be a comment on life in general. Like one jockey will say, it's an amazing ride, it's magical. And really you wonder, is he talking about the racetrack or is he talking about life in general? Right. All of your work reflects so much labor. Ah, you just must have a lot of energy because (laughs) there is a lot of work represented. So I use layering in all of my work and it is time consuming, but I find there's no other way to get to the vision that I have in my mind. To me, it's like mixing paints. If, If you want to create a specific rich shade, you probably need to mix a few colors to get there. Sarah Boothroyd, sound artist, radio producer, and musician, whose work we've been celebrating today on ReSound. Sarah, thanks so much for talking to us. Well, I'd like to thank you very much for the opportunity to chat with you, and thank you so much for your support of my work. I'm delighted to have been asked to do this. I'm really honored. You've been listening to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. The program is produced by Dennis Funk and curated by Johanna Zorn and Sarah Geis of the Third Coast Festival. You can hear today's program at thirdcoastfestival.org, where you can also hear more than 1,500 outstanding documentaries from around the world. And subscribe to our podcast. Support for ReSound comes from Emma, a web-based email marketing and communication service helping businesses and nonprofits manage their email campaigns and online surveys in style. More at myemma.com. The Third Coast International Audio Festival is a nonprofit arts organization made possible with lead funding from the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Additional support is provided by the Riva and David Logan Foundation and the National Endowment for the Arts. The Third Coast Festival is supported in part by a grant from the Illinois Arts Council Agency. 
Special thanks to our many individual contributors from Chicago and around the world. The Third Coast Festival, now an independent arts organization, was originally founded at WBEZ Chicago. If you want to contact us, we would love to hear from you. Email us at resound at thirdcoastfestival.org. You can also connect with us through Facebook and Twitter. ReSound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else unless you live everywhere else.